see in this text is, first of all, that, that when the believer has the knowledge or has the understanding that the end of all things, when I say the end of all things, I just want to tell you what I mean by that. Like the world coming to an end, Jesus returning, and this world in which was created will be recreated one day, if you will. That the, the, the end of all things is at hand means the end of time, the end of the ages, what was culminated or uh, what was started or inaugurated, the first coming of Christ that will be completed when he comes again. That's what I mean by the end of all uh, end of all, all things. And so, with the knowledge of the end of all things, believers should respond sensibly. That's one of the things that I love about, if you don't know this, by the way, probably my favorite book in all of, uh, definitely the New Testament is First Peter. And one of the things I love about Peter is Peter's writing it to a context that their world is crazy. Like, we think we got it bad living in the U.S. as believers no, like it was almost like they were being killed. They were being burned up. They were losing everything. That's why Peter told him like, hey, you got an inheritance that's imperishable and it's undefiled and it's being kept in heaven for you. Nobody can take that away. Right. So he's writing into a context that things are crazy. That people are losing their mind, flipping their lids, if you will. But through the book of 1 Peter, you see this steadiness, this confidence, this sober-mindedness. And so what we see here says that the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded. Here it is, for the sake of your prayers. So what does that mean? It says, with the realization of the end of all things is at hand, it should lead us, to, A, to pray for God to move in whatever time is left. You follow me? So with the end of all things at hand, be sober-minded for the sake of your prayers, as in do that so your prayers, you, when you can go to God and say, God, I don't know what, what's left, but I, I pray that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So there's the idea of prayer, but as you begin to kind of go more on that, the realization that the end of all things is at hand should lead us to depend on God, and that dependence is manifested in what? Prayer. And if you continue reading this text, the realization that the end of all things is at hand should lead us, you ready? To spend our time in prayer, loving one another and serving one another. Did you see that in the text? Let's read the text again. It says, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, so with whatever time we, so the question, this is how my mind works. So if, if there's not a lot of time left, what should I be doing with the time that I have left? You follow me? And Peter says, above all, love one another. Above all, continue loving one another. Serve one another. So, Justin, what about the outsider? Well, we'll get to that. But I believe Scripture teaches that we have this idea that when churches begin to, like, focus on the health of the church, that they're going to become, like, spiritually obese. But I, I truly believe this. Like, the more that we genuinely study God's Word and begin to love one another, natural byproduct of that is that we will become outsider-focused as well. What I mean by that is we will want people to come know, to know Jesus. But the primary call through the New Testament, especially the epistles, has more commandments and, and how or imperatives how we interact with one another than it is how we interact with the outside world. 
So there's something to that. But anyway, keep following me here. A church that loves one another naturally loves the outsider as well. And I believe we see that with the realization this should provo- of the end, the end is at hand or the end is coming near, it should provoke us to be good stewards of the grace we've been given and the time that we've been given, which leads, like I said, to verses 8 through 11. So the first thing that we do is that we depend on God. Secondly, I've already told you this, but we are to love one another. Look at verse 8. Notice how it starts. Am I ringing a little bit? Okay, do I need to like get a handout? Am I good? Everybody good? Am I dist- is this distracting y'all at all? Okay, it just, it's just distracting me. If you're good, you're, uh, that's fine. Okay, look at the first word. It says, above all. So God is bringing all of human history to its end. What should I do? Peter says, well, above all, keep loving one another earnestly. Above all. What what does that mean? Literally, what does above all mean? It means above all. (laughs) Like, of, of all your plans and all your details and all your Bible study meetings, above all, continue to love one another earnestly. This is... So important. It begins, it begins with Jesus, his disciples. We read it in John 13, 34, and 35. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you would love one another. There's a, there's a little bit of like evangelism. Like how, how are people going to know about Jesus if all we do is just love one another? Well, Jesus says if you love one another, A, that people are going to know that you're his father. But also, he actually says even by our unity, the world will know that the father had sent him. And so naturally, how God has designed things in the unity of the church and the love for the church, I can't explain it, but people are going to come to know Jesus when the church is loving one another. Justin, how can you say that? Because Jesus said it. <laughs> John 15, 12, this is, my, this is my commandment, that you love one another as, as I have loved you. First John 4, 7 and 8, Beloved, let us love one another, for the love is from God. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. If anyone does not love... Uh, does not, sorry, if, only, if anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. John 4, 11, beloved, if God has loved us, has so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Again, 1 John 4, 21, for this is a commandment we have from him. Whoever loves God must love his brother. Romans 12, 10, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. This is elementary to say, but listen to me. If we say we love God and we do not love, listen to me, not, not just the outside. If we don't love our brother or sister in Christ, if we don't love the church, then our love for God is not what we say it is. That's just biblical truth is that we love because God has loved us. And if we have not loved, then we don't know God. Because why? Because God is love. If you know him, then you know love and you can't help but to love. So he says, above all, Keep loving, as in it is understood that the, the, the believer will be one who loves one another. So keep 
loving one another earnestly. This word earnestly literally is like the imagery of it being stretched, like to its, to its, uh, to its limits, if you will, muscle, if you're working out, that you're, you're working that muscle to the point where it feels like it's about to snap, if you will. That's what it means, earnestly. Like I'm loving to my greatest uh, ability and to my furthest extent, if you will. And I love that word because it tells me this. The loving isn't necessarily easy, but it is necessary. Right? Like, it may not be the easiest thing in the world, but it's, it's an earnest. It's a, it's a stretching of the muscles. It's something that you have to practice. You have to train. That you have to work out, if you will. And as you do, God grows that love. Keep loving one another earnestly. Why? Since love covers a multitude of sins. We need to take a time out there. Is Peter saying that if I love you, my brother and sister in Christ, that my love, is he saying when he says the culvert covers a multitude of your sins, is, that, is he saying that my love for you can actually atone for your sin? Can my love for the brother, are we loving each other because we love each other, then we're going we're gonna to be forgiving each other's sins up in this place. It's all going to be good, right? Is that what I believe what he's saying is, is this, the love covers a multitude of sin. Is not saying that it atones for sin, but ultimately is dealing with us accepting people even when they sin. And ultimately, here, follow me here. We become agents of God's grace to a brother or sister who has fallen, even when we love them and continue to love them, even in their sin. Not that we, like sin is overlooked, but sin is dealt with and the person is still loved. You follow? It's not that we turn a blind eye to sin, it's that. Man, God loved us at our worst, and I'm going to love you at this situation where we're, going to, we're not just going to throw dirt over. We're going to deal with it, but I, we're going to be instrument of God's grace to one another, that how we love one another, listen to me, even in our sin. We don't celebrate sin because sin is what calls our Savior his life. But a thanks be to God that nobody in this room is perfect. Yet God still loves us anyway. And that even after God has saved us, that we still fall short of the glory of God. And here's the gift, one of the gifts of the church to the church is that he put a bunch of broken people together. That even whenever we drop the ball, we mess up, another brother, another sister can look at me and go, hey, you dropped the ball, but guess what? Grace is still available to you. And we need that in our life. So what do we do? The, the end of all things is at hand. <laughs> we depend on God, but man, we love one another. The next thing we do is that we serve one another. Actually, verse 9, this is on love. It says, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Here's what this verse, I, I like to see like just real life in verses. As in, even if you have the gift of hospitality, sometimes opening your home kind of gets old at times, right? We have to fight like, man, I really wish we didn't have to do that this week. 
right? Like, I'm thankful for, like, real life when we see it in the text. It's like, hey, show hospitality, but just do it without grumbling. Like, as in there is a chance in which we will begin to grumble. So we pray for God, God, help me. Anyway, what I'm trying to say is if you open up your home every week to us for small group stuff, thank you so much. <laughs> Great is your reward. Next, we serve one another. Think of verse 10 and 11. As each one has, we learn a lot about our gifting in, this, in these two verses, by the way. As each has received a gift, here it is, use it so that people will look at how gifted you are. As each has received a gift, make sure you, make, make sure you do it from stage so people can go, man, that dude sure is gifted. She sure can sing. Man, look at that person really love people. No, what does it say? As each has received a gift, use it to what? Serve one another. Here it is. As good stewards of God's varied grace. And he gives that gifting really in two categories here. It's not like a full list of spiritual gifts, but it says, uh, it really breaks it down to speaking and serving. And so if you're speaking, if you're teaching, if you're leading in any capacity, it's still serving. Like my, me preaching up here this morning isn't for just for entertainment because I know it's not entertaining. It is hopefully me serving you. And when Luke gets about us serving you, the Lord's word, God's word, so that it can benefit, it can edify you in your life. It's a service, if you will. It's a worship, if you will, together. But he breaks it down really from speaking to and serving. But here's the things that we learn about our gifting. First of all, that our gifting comes from God. Like verse 10, it says, each has received a gift. As in, this is passive here, is that somebody handed me something. Somebody gave me something. Somebody gifted me with something. So whatever gift I have, yes, there's nat some of us have natural God-given abilities that lean themselves into a certain direction, right? Like with voices or with uh, talents or other things like naturally there's some of you but here's what I need you to know is that any any of that and all of that is a gift from God it's not because something's good in you and me and whatever it's because God has gifted you that but then inside of that there's these spiritual uh, gifts if you will that uh, that are like more dialed into that's from God as well and no gift is greater than the other, right? So the gift of teaching is no, I mean, obviously it's a greater responsibility, but it's not higher in the pecking order if you have the gift of hospitality that you want to welcome somebody into your home. It's all a service to one another. So first of all, our gifting comes from God. Secondly, our gifting is for serving. Not so people can look at how smart we are or what we know or whatever, is to serve one another. And we must be good stewards of God's varied grace. A steward is someone who manages or looks after another's property. So let's like, like dive into this for a second. How can we, in the time that we have left, be good stewards and so what's the thing that's been given? What? Grace. So by God's grace, obviously there's salvation. By God's grace, we have the church. But specifically in this passage, by God's grace, there has been gifts that have been given to, in, in the direction to serve one another. Everybody with me? That's a lot of words, but that's the grace we're talking about stewarding. 
It's not my grace, it's God's grace. He has given it to me to be a steward of it. And I want to steward that well, that being the gifts, that being the, the church, that being the time we have. It is all God's grace. So how do we do that? And here's one thing that we need you to see, the spiritual gifts... Oftentimes, it's not about to be a spiritual gift study, but oftentimes we have this spiritual gift that's like, oh, I wish I had that, or I wish I could do that. I wish I had that. And here's the deal. You ready? Spiritual gifts fundamentally are not a privilege, but a responsibility. That's one thing that we need to know is that that what God has graced us with is I am responsible for being a steward to that which he has given. It's not for my... My privilege, if you will, is not for my accolades. It is a responsibility to be faithful to whatever it I have been given to carry. To just make all this line up. Okay, you ready? Notice the word before grace there is varied, various. It gives a picture of multicolored, multifaceted, different layers, different shapes, different shades. And it's actually the second time that Peter has used this word varied or various. If you remember in chapter 1, if you have Bibles, you can flip over there and let you underline it. But in verse 6, it says this, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by what? Various trials. It's the same word here as if we see in chapter 4, and it literally means of different colors, different shapes, different sizes, that ultimately you and I know in the Christian life there is a, there is a varied troubles that we can walk through. Everybody with me? Like, they're not all the same size, they're not all the same shape, they're all different colors. Uh, some seem big, some seem small, but there are, there's various different trials that we walk through. Can I get a witness? So there's that word there of different shapes, different sizes, different colors of trials. Now we go to chapter 4, and the same word, different shapes, different sizes, different whatever, is connected not to troubles, but to what? Grace. And so what is that teaching us? Ultimately is that there is not a trial or a struggle that we face that God's grace cannot fit. As in, we walk through small, big, round, square, triangle, whatever type struggles, well, guess what? There's a square, circle, triangle, round type of grace that can fit that very situation. And again, listen to me. This is how we steward it. You ready? Is that God uses his people to be instruments of grace to one another as we love and we serve one another. As in, listen to me, whenever my people are walking, as in cross point, whenever we're walking through a hardship, what God will do is he'll provide another brother or sister to be the very piece of the puzzle of his grace that you need and will use them to minister to that grace to you. What? Man, that's God's gift of God's people to God's people. And the next thing we see about it is that it's all for his purpose and his glory. So when we are loving and serving one another, we will be good stewards of God's grace that, he's been, that he has given to us. So how, 
how do we see the end of all things near and how do we steward God's grace? Well, I believe it's by loving and serving one another. All right, so how does that commit to our core values? I'm glad you asked. At Crosspoint, we exist, as I said, for God's glory by committing ourselves to three things. We looked at last week, God's truth. Secondly, God's people. Why? Because in the time that we have here, Scripture tells us, man, we, above all things, we should be loving one another. We want to be obedient to Scripture. We should be serving one another. Because while we're doing that, we're being good stewards of God's grace. And God is using us to be tangible instruments of grace to one another. Next week, Luke will look at God's mission. So last week, when we talked about committing to God's truth, we asked the question, what do we mean? What do we commit to? This morning, the question is not what do we commit to, it's who do we commit to? Because the church isn't a building. It's more than an organization. It's a people. So when we say we commit to God's people, what, who are we talking about? Well, we believe the church is for all the people, for all the time who have been saved by God's grace. When we say the church, in the general sense, we're saying every person who's ever been born has already died, whoever will be born, who will be saved or has been saved by the grace of God, they make up the church. Everybody with me? So are we saying we're committing to God's people? Are we saying like church universal? Yes, in a sense, but no, in a sense. Because what we see in Scripture through the example of Scripture is that people just didn't commit themselves to church universal, but we see them connecting to groups of people where they lived, called local churches. So when we say, who do we commit to? We commit to a local body of born-again believers. That what unites us is that we have placed our faith in Jesus, that he has made us new, that he has made us one. And so when we say we are committing to God's people, we're specifically saying, I am committing myself to one group of people in Jones County. And as for you remember, Cross Point, it means I'm saying I'm committing myself to Cross Point Community Church. And when I do that, I'm committing myself to love the people and serve the people there. So we say we commit ourselves to a people. Well, why? Well, we've seen it in First Peter, how the benefits of serving, but why structurally, why, why do I commit myself to a local body of people? First of all, it's kind of like your formal declaration that you're a child, that you've been born, like you're, it's, 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 a, it's a declaration that I'm, A, I love Jesus and I love his people. You can't say that without a commitment. Like, I can't just... Tell Ashley, hey, I love you. I would like to marry you one day. And I know how to how to put a ring on it, right? Like if there's a there's a, there's a something that we publicly confess. Hey, this is the group of people that I've committed to, and so we do it as a public confession. But also, why do we commit ourselves to God's people? Well, I think the example of Scripture that we see is if you walk through the New Testament, is that we gather, we commit ourselves for instruction of God's word. 
that we see biblically that God has provided teachers and preachers and pastors, if you will, for the teaching of the, of the Word. And so we, we commit ourselves that we come together and we, we sit under the instruction of God's Word. Secondly, we commit to God's people to serve and edify one another through the proper use of our spiritual gifts. Thirdly, we commit ourselves to God's people to participate in the ordinances of the Lord's Supper and baptism. Fourthly, I think, it's for the Great Commission. That we join ourselves, we look at next week, we join ourselves to local people who were about preaching the gospel. And fifthly, it's that by committing ourselves to a local body, it gives us a context to obey all the one another's of the New Testament. Do you understand? Maybe you don't. I challenge you to read, obviously, all the New Testament, but I would say start in Romans. Just do like, start in Romans and read through Revelation. And inside of that, like, pick out how many times you see the word one another. It's mind-blowing that the majority of the New Testament is written about how the church should interact with the church. And so, therefore, if 2 plus 2 equals 4, right, if the majority of the imperatives of the New Testament are consist of love one another, serve one another, forgive one another, bear with one another, whatever one another, and I'm not committed to a local body, listen to me, real talk, then I am being disobedient to the word of God because I don't have a people to, to, to obey those with. Is that too straightforward? I hope not because that's the truth. It, if I'm not committed to a local people, then I cannot be obedient to the one another's of the New Testament. So why not commit to God's people? Because it gives me a context to be obedient to the one another's. Lastly, how do we commit? How do we commit? Specifically for Crosspoint, we have really two umbrellas that we call. We say, first, we're a people in place. That speaks of Sunday morning gathering. That means we, we are going to commit even again, this, we're going to commit afresh this morning that we are committing ourselves to the gathering of God's people at 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings at 163 Bear Pen Creek Road. Lord, let me see if they're not 443. Can't remember that. I have a cross from the sportsplex. Not the one on 84, but this one over here. I say that all the time. Where's your church at? It's over there by sportsplex. You mean that, the one on Highway No? The one in the field. The one that doesn't look like a church at all. That's ours. <laughs> the one that if you pass by, I went. Is that a storm shelter out there? What is that? Is that a bomb? Is that a fallout shelter? That's our church. We're going to commit on Sunday mornings. We're going to gather together to sit under God's word, to sing God's praises, to pray prayers to God, to commune and, and, and enjoy fellowship, to love one another, to serve one another. In the very worship service at 10 o'clock, we're committing to be a people in place. That's what that means. Now, Sunday mornings, I'm going to listen to me. <laughs> No, I'm, I'm not going there. I'm going to be nice today. <clears throat> we're going to commit to be a people in place, that we, we come and we're going to love one another. We're going to sit under God's word. We're going to pray for one another. We're going to give of our finances to support what God's going, got going on here. 
if you if you've been here any amount of time, you very rarely do you ever hear us talk about money. It's not because it's just we don't believe as in I believe a healthy church is going to be a healthy church, not just in its theology, but also in its bank account. And if we're teaching God's word and the, the, the saints are being edified naturally, they're going to take and buy into what's going on. And so when we say we're committing to be a people in place and committing across, what it also means with our checkbook that we're going to, that this, this light bill, guess what? This light bill that we got to pay this month, it's not, just, it's not Justin's bill, it's our bill. You follow me? Like, that building that's going to be built, it's not Justin's building, it's our building. Payroll, it's not just, just it's not Justin's, it is Orion's to figure out, it's, it's ours. We had, listen to me, may we be good stewards of what? God's varied grace. All of us have to be stewards of what we call Cross Point Church. It's not mine, it's obviously the Lord Jesus, but it's ours to steward. Anyway, we commit to be a people in place. Secondly, we, can, we are people in places. That means is that we have small groups that meet throughout the week. And in the foyer, there's some QR codes up on the blackboards. You can scan a QR code there, and it shows you where our small groups, who our small groups are, where they meet. There's a sign-up sheet on the table back there. If you are not connected to a small group and you want more information, you can write, sign your name there, uh, and give you, put your, sign your name, write your name there. We're not asking for autographs, we're asking for your name and your uh, phone number, and a pastor will reach out to you. How, to, how else can I connect within, on the left side, the people in place side over there, there's a little card right here that says get connected. There's different ways that you can serve. It gives kids ministry, Sunday mornings, nursery, preschool. Um, you can, all of you go ahead and get this and check that. Uh, we all, anyway, kids ministry, Wednesday nights. And so there's different areas from music team to guest services uh, to hospitality. And anyway, even cutting grass, you can, you can, you can, you can check that, right? And I will call you. I will make you, I will put you on that list. I promise you. But we commit to one another. We commit to being in small groups throughout the community. We commit to be as a church gathered on Sunday mornings, but a church scattered throughout the week. Whenever uh, a couple weeks ago I went to Super Talk to do an interview with some of the, some of the wrestlers from SWA, uh, and uh, Luke, what's the guy's name that was interviewing me? Will, uh, Will in a segment, I didn't know where the questions were going to go, uh, and I had, I had no, like, anyway, he, he, he asked about, like, yeah, I see in town, every, every time I'm in town, I see on the back of these cars, these little stickers that say, CP, what's that about? I was like, yeah, we just have stickers, That's what, but I had to be spiritual in the moment, right, because I'm a pastor and I'm on radio. <clears throat> I said, but what that is, is ultimately, it's like, you're putting on your team jersey, and you go in to show people who you support and what part of a church you're a part of. And so that's the idea of being, as we're scattering, we don't just leave Cross Point at, 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 at Bear Pen Creek Road, that as we're scattered, we are the church scattered throughout the area, throughout the county, throughout the city. And so we commit to a local group of people for the instruction under God's Word to serve one another, netify one another, to partake at the Lord's Supper together, to experience baptism, watch baptism for the Great Commission, so then we can obey the majority of the New Testament. Pretty black and white there.
Yeah, we're going to end this week how we ended last week, and it may have been a little awkward for you last week. If it was, then it'll be awkward for you again this week. Uh, But last week we ended our service because this is what I understand is that that word commitment, man, it's a struggle, ain't it? Let's show of hands. No, I'm not going to do that. Let's say show of hands. How many of you have already broken your New Year's resolution to start to work out? Or to eat better, right? So we struggle with, it's January the 4th, two weeks in, and most of us are like, I try, I try it again next year. <laughs> All right. And so we struggle with commitment. We struggle with following through. We struggle with letting the fa- f- uh, flame kind of feather out, if you will. And so what I've come to understand is no matter how great my desire is, if it's not empowered by his spirit, I will give up and quit every time. If God doesn't help me commit to, to this local group, this, this local group of believers, and then in two or three months, Justin's going to say something that I'm going to get mad about, and I'm going to go try to find another church and not talk to him about it. Can we real talk about it? Like, we're called to one another, to serve one another, to live life with one another. And listen to me. <laughs> Earnestly stretching out. <laughs> it, it, oftentimes it gets tough. But we're going to commit to one another. Not just when everything's perfect, but even if in three or four months down the road, things are tough. We're going to commit to one another. We need help with that. So what I want to do is I just kind of want to open up a time for us to pray. Pray to the Lord that he will... Uh, he will enable us. He will strengthen us. He will renew that commitment we have to one another and to, to this, pe- this, this place that we would lift one another up, that individually we would make church priority and make church our, our commitment. Uh, and I don't, I'm not going to script the prayer, but I know this, that the Holy Spirit is probably already nudging some people how to pray and what to pray for. Uh, I just think I want to give the Lord room to do that. I think one thing, the one thing that we talked about staff whenever I told them I wanted to do this for a we can get real scripted in our services, right? Like we know usually, and that's, that's fine. Like you, you want a you structure, and the structure doesn't make you a slave. It actually makes you more free if you have a structure. Uh, but we want to give room that, that you, like we as Crosspoint, we can go to the Lord on behalf of one another publicly, not just in our prayer calls, but even here. And so not every Sunday is going to look like this, but I will say that we will start seeing more Sundays throughout the year that we just kind of spend time in prayer for one another. Uh, and I hope you're okay with that. If not, then you'll get used to it. And I don't plan on for music to start hiding the, the silence and the awkwardness is that we as God's people pray for one another. So I'm going to be quiet. And I'm just going to open the floor for anybody to stand and pray where you are and however the Lord's leading you to pray specifically for God's people. Uh, and do so. So, anyway, let's pray.